Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Live Reps podcast. I have uh, with me returning guest Jerry Jenkins, who's our president of sales here at Live Reps, and then our new guest, uh, Kevin, who's a shift trainer here. So thank you for being here, guys. Hey, no thank problem. You. I just wanted to say very quickly that uh, we are a private podcast, and this podcast is sponsored by ourselves at the moment by live reps so we really appreciate them letting us do this and record here in our offices um anybody interested in us we do call services so inbound outbound uh call solid telephone we do live chat it consulting digital marketing work like websites social media all that kind of stuff so any interest there just contact us through social and um we got a lot to talk about because we haven't uh haven't recorded in a month we had a very busy December here, um, and obviously lots of things happened in December. So, mm-hmm. definitely, yeah. How was everyone's Christmas? No, Christmas was great. Um, it's it's interesting. This is uh, the year that my I have two younger brothers. I have uh, one that lives here in Cincinnati, and then one that lives in Atlanta. So my brother in Atlanta was not able to take off work, so they stayed in Atlanta. So we spent Christmas here in Cincinnati. We did Christmas at uh, my house, but it's just great. Um, I worked half a day on Christmas, a very slow day here at Live Reps Call Center on Christmas Day. And uh, so we opened up Santa's presents a little bit later in the day on Christmas Day and hung out with the family, you know, played some board games. I bought my mom the uh, new Monopoly longest game ever. That's game. right, the longest one ever. So we have not finished that game yet. We are still playing uh, into the second week now. So, And I have uh, a feeling you may still be playing by this coming Christmas as well. Uh, <laughs> yes, my, my nephew has already lost interest in the game. Uh, <laughs> my, my brother and my mom are still hanging in. But uh, other than that, ate uh, way too much on Christmas. Uh, watched a Christmas story probably about five times. But uh, other than that, it was a great day. That sounds great. Yeah. No, um, Christmas tree, what I, uh, I worked Christmas Eve, so I was here until 11 p.m. Uh, Christmas Day, I got up and got to go hang with my family for a little bit over at my grandma's place, got to go eat some good food. Um, other than that, it was pretty uneventful. Uh, the holiday season this year has been pretty blessedly uneventful, I think, just because I haven't, you know, no, no disasters. I just got, I got kind of sick and then I got better. Well, getting better. And that's, that's basically been it. It's been pretty, uh, pretty, pretty down to earth that is nice yeah i had a very similar situation no uh no major catastrophes other than uh my alternator going going out on my way into work on christmas eve um mm. but that has since been fixed so i now have a working alternator and i'm able to drive it took a couple of days so i i had a i had a, a borrowed car christmas <laughs> but uh no other than that no no sicknesses i do know of a guy though um who gets sick every single time he goes home to his family. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he says he thinks it's the climate change, but he goes from Ohio to Virginia, so I'm not sure how much I'm buying that. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say no. no. Normally, it's the exact opposite. Whenever I go on, on vacation somewhere, I feel great the entire time, and then I come back and immediately get sick. <laughs> like, without fail. If I come back to Cincinnati, it's, there's something in the air around here where it's just like, oh, nope, I'm sick again. Have you uh, have you heard of Airborne? Uh, is that like the emergency thing where it's like a very similar? Basically, it's like emergency on like steroids, exactly. Because um, the airborne stuff doesn't have just vitamin C; it's got like twenty four other things in it, like vitamins and minerals and stuff. Mm. It was uh, um, I've I've been a huge believer in uh, airborne for several years because uh, my mom turned me on to it because it was made by a teacher. My mother's a teacher, so she's really big into stuff like that. Um. And it, it is kind of a little miracle that because 
It has, like I said, all those vitamins and minerals in it. It is coincidentally perfect for situations where your immune system could be compromised. So it was originally made for getting on a plane. Yeah. Like you're supposed to, with all those different people, international flights specifically, it was like, take an airborne, get on the flight, no worries. Um, but it also coincidentally works extremely well for if you feel like a cold is coming on, just, you know, kind of get like a stim pack into your immune system, basically. And sometimes you fight it off. Um, and it also is pretty good for hangovers as well. Oh, there you go. It does, yeah. uh, does replenish some of those critical uh, items that are depleted <laughs> upon drinking. Yes. I've never thought about using it as a hangover cure, but I always feel like in the in the sense of emergencies and airborne and all of the although the pre cold sort of immune boosters, mm-hmm. I never think about them until I'm actively sick and they don't work anymore. Oh no! <laughs> the, the second you get sick and start displaying symptoms, it's already too late. You can't like take them and suddenly be better. That is you true. To, you have to actually take them uh, in preparation for being sick. So mm-hmm. it's like. I, I just am completely unaware of any sort of consequences to my actions until I'm already sick. And I'm like, well, <laughs> oh, man, look yeah. at all these great things I could have done. I'm sort of the same way. It's always way too late. It's like when <laughs> everyone's talking about how sick they are at their work. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. Maybe I should try something. And then by that time, I always get that tickle in the back of my throat. And it's like, oh, oh it's too late. No, that's yeah. exactly. Two weeks later on the dot, you get that, just that little something mm-hmm. in, the yeah. back of the, in the back of the throat. Yeah. That's yeah. typically when I take it. If I if I feel like I'm gonna go for the preventative hail mary, I'll just you know I, I wake up and something feels off in my throat and I'm like, well, I'm just gonna take one. Yeah. And uh, worst case scenario, I, I wasn't gonna be ever sick and I'm fine. And best case scenario, maybe I maybe I dodge one. Right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, some people do think that with the whole uh, there's like an airborne phenomenon where they think that taking the airborne makes them not sick. And they're like, oh, I've never, like, it's never, like, I've never, I've taken it once and I'm fine. And then there's the other camp of people that are kind of more like, well, you probably weren't ever going to get sick. You just felt off, took one, and then didn't get the sickness you were never going to get. And then you think you have the best advancement in modern medicine in front of you. (laughs) Um, But for what it's worth, sometimes it has worked for me. Um, It is, it it is amazing, though, if you, if you take it before you start drinking, it's like it just by the time everything goes through your system, it's it's all just like you wake up and it's more of like you feel a little tired oh, okay. instead of just like you know that awful like drained like just you feel like you can't get up and do anything like ugh, hate that. Last uh, it wasn't last year it was the year before last when I I did go drinking uh, on my birthday and my as uh, as, as I do yeah <laughs> and uh, my mom's boyfriend his name's Bill and he uh, he served in the military in Korea for a while. And while he was there, he discovered this this hangover cure, this whatever you want to call this sort of a drink that you take. And it's marketed as some it's marketed as an immune booster and a hangover cure. It's called Bacchus D, like Bacchus, like the Greek god. Yeah. And then the letter D for like vitamin D. Uh Uh, And it tastes like. It's like if five hour energy were worse. Oh, yeah, it's like a little, it's thick too. It's like, it's not like a thin drink. It's a very thick, syrupy thing. Interesting. But uh, apparently, uh, and I, I, he's like, while we're at the bar, he hands one to me. He's like, all right, take this now. I'm a couple of shots in. And so I take it and I, I have a whole sort of time uh, that night, but I do wake up the next day and I'm not, I don't feel bad. Wow. So, I mean, I can't really necessarily attribute it to it because I did also, like, drink a bunch of water and do all the things that I normally do to prevent hangovers. But it didn't hurt, so yeah. there's that. Okay. 
I think there's the there's the stereotypical things that most people know to do. Like you can alternate with water or just try yeah. to do your best to drink some water yeah. during, you know, the hours of your drinking and, you know, always have some food with it. People knows those things. But uh, Bacchus D, I'd never heard of. I, that's a new one to me. That's, Bacchus D, it looks sort of like it's like a like a blue and silver sort of uh, bottle. Okay. It's just sort of like a like a Red Bull looking sort of design. But it's yeah. Apparently it works, or at least it worked for me. So now okay. is this like a like a supply that he just has from his deployment in Korea, or is this something you can get stateside? I think he gets it imported. I think he does continue to get it. I don't think it was. I really hope that it wasn't like a 15 year old drink that I drank. Like, <laughs> um, but I think he does get it imported uh, every so often, or maybe he got a shipment from one of his buddies over there just recently. So you know, that, that was pretty. The only other one I know of that's a little bit out of the box is um, a, a vitamin called milk thistle. Milk. Um, and a friend of mine let me try it um, in uh, back in college. And it was uh, I, I can't say for sure if it works, but I would do it anyway because it's like I don't I don't know. It's like three or four dollars a bottle or something for like a hundred of them. And it's just from a plant. It's they literally just take a plant and grind it up. And it's supposed to be like a liver supplement. Like it, like milk thistle, I guess, originally was purposed for um, people with liver failure, liver disease, you know, uh, you know, alcoholism. It, like it was supposed to be like, hey, if you don't want to just mess up your liver super bad, you take this. Um, so I can't say for sure if it does much, but that's another out of the box one I've heard. Okay. It's like taking a milk thistle, yeah, before or during. I think a lot of those are sort of ritualistic and psychosomatic where it's like yes. it, it might it might have some sort of small benefit, but mostly it's just you think that it's going to help. Exactly. And so if you think it hard enough, it'll just it'll just kind of not be as yeah, bad. Like, like it worked once and maybe that was even a placebo, too. But then from then on, you're just like, well, this is the way this. Right. Like, this is, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, that's a it, that is it's and, and there are so many different variations of it and so many different rituals that people have that just don't make any sense at all. Exactly. Just, it's like people going through because so, I live in North Side, Cincinnati, and people going through the White Castle drive through at like four in the morning. I'm like, that's not going to save you. That's <laughs> not going to save you now after what you've done to yourself. It's going to make you worse. So. <laughs> I was going to say, if you are in the White Castle drive through at four in the morning in North Side of Cincinnati, then you have already lost. I think that's. Lost. I think the game is. I think you're you're in overtime, <laughs> yeah. if anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's it's been over for a while. You just keep prolonging <laughs> the inevitable at this point. You're just just clinging to life on the the side of a White Castle drive-through menu. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> wow. Um, what uh what what movies came out this Christmas? Do we have any Christmas releases? I know Star Wars was on the twentieth. I, oh, oh man, I'm so bad at keeping up with movies. Yeah, Star Wars came out. Um, I keep seeing previews for this thing called what is it like the Turn or something? Or Turn? Uh, it's it's it got um, Finn Wolfhard. In it. Trying to remember what it's called. It's about I think it's it's sort of like an like an evil children movie thing is what it looks like. Okay. And this came out in December or is it coming out? I think it's coming out uh soon i keep like like i said i i see previews for it occasionally but i pay for youtube so i don't see ads anymore okay i i really don't see a whole lot of commercials for anything anymore yeah i actually that's interesting you say that i recently like probably i think as recently as two months ago decided to splurge for youtube premium it's worth and it. i gotta say i i wasn't really like there was a long time where i was not a believer 
where I was like, that's just stupid. Like, just watch the ads. Like, you know, you, you lazy piece of shit. <laughs> like, like, just watch the ads. And then, and then, yeah, we've used our quota. And uh, I said it softly, though, so nobody's going to pick up on it. That's, what it was. So that's a, a com- completely sidebar here. Um, YouTubers have actually figured out that the little algorithm that combs through videos for profanity will not pick up on whispers. So, like, like YouTubers have taken to just, like, using any word they want, but just saying it quietly. And then, like, the algorithm doesn't pick it up. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I yeah, it's that. really – I've watched a couple of videos where they just start whispering it. And I'm like, that is really odd. Why, do, you, like, do you really think whispering is going to get you out of trouble? And then I Googled it, and, of course, it does. So um, They're going to change that. They always do. They, they really do – nitpick really hard on youtube to try to demonetize they as many people as they can youtube is an absolute mess there was like two youtube apocalypses in 2019 that Jeez, yeah whole... yeah i yeah so i mean to finish the, the first thing i was saying the youtube premium thing i really thought it was just going to be like a time saver thing but it is so nice um except the trouble i've run into now is that um, the people on YouTube, the creators have gotten wise to the fact that you can subscribe to YouTube premium and then they, you know, lose a little bit of ad money there. So what they've taken to doing is just taking sponsorships directly from companies. So like some mm-hmm. YouTuber who, you know, there isn't like, let's say you have YouTube premium, you don't watch all the ads in the middle of their video. They could be like, uh, use my code at audible.com to get a free oh, wow. month or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And okay. so they just put it right in with the the video okay. and so they can't you can't skip i mean unless you like well i think he's going to talk for 30 seconds so you skip ahead 30 seconds and see um so that's the whole thing with youtube premium but yeah there was there was two youtube apocalypses um the one earliest in the year i'm pretty sure had to do with just copyright claims mm-hmm. just getting completely uncontrollably out of hand um because basically a bunch of like networks like um with the Warner Brothers is the one that immediately is the first example I can think of because they were all over this. Um, but Warner Brothers Entertainment started just going through and flagging hundreds of thousands of videos and striking them, like marking them for copyright claim. So the way the system used to work in YouTube is if a video was marked or given a um, marked by like another creator says so like my content is somewhere in here, they're using it to profit. The video immediately starts stops making regardless of whether or not the claim is legitimate, the video would immediately stop claiming money. And then I believe a, a like a counter would start so that like while this is in review, the video would keep a counter of how many funds would it have gotten. So oh. like how like when the claim goes through, how many views did it get? How much does it get per view? And then it's like that's what's kind of like not really in escrow, but kind of up for grabs as to whoever wins the claim. Um and then, but the issue then became, um, for one, there was no punishment for false claims. There was nothing at all to decentivize people from just claiming every single video on YouTube yeah. and be like, "Oh, I've got three notes of my one theme song that we never published ten years ago is is in here," um, and you know, nobody specifically from YouTube would have time to comb through and be like, "Oh yeah, you did use that." You know, I watched your forty-eight minute video. You you right here at you know, time marker 13 minutes and 15 seconds, you use this. Like, they just don't have the manpower for that. There's no way. No. So the people that were making the claims were always winning. Sure. Like, the creator who originally uploaded the video would almost never win. Like, it was a ludicrously small number of people that would win the claim and keep their money. So, like, there was a like a bunch of creators just all of a sudden stopped making money on a ton of their videos. So it hit, like, 
um, the biggest one was music, right? So like if you use somebody else's music in the background of your video, like you're mm. you're playing video games or you're doing a five minute craft or you're doing a fifty five items fifty dollars tech video, you're doing one of those things and you've got background music going and it's Umbrella by Rihanna, then like their her um, recording company or her label will be like, Yeah, we get all the money for that video now. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, it was kind of like an apocalypse because like YouTube had been going for so long and there's so much content on YouTube from when it started that people were just like, oh, well, I can claim a viral video that was, you know, 18 years old. And it's like all of a sudden. And then at some point, too, I believe um, older videos, uh, they were the creators were getting sued to um, reclaim all of the revenue that they got from that video. So, like, let's say somebody had a video go viral five years ago, and it's been racking up clicks since then. Mm-hmm. Somebody like Time Warner, or not Time Warner, uh, Warner Brothers, would mm-hmm. just be like, uh, yeah, we'd, we'd like all the revenue for the five years of when it was viral. But then these creators have viral spent that money. Like, who, like, who hangs on to the money they got from specifically one video right. they uploaded five? Like, you know, like, it's just, it's ridiculous to, yeah. to expect that. But, you know, they got nice lawyers, so they would just go for that go for that revenue money so that was the first adpocalypse and then the second one was kind of less of like bad on the creators and more of just everyone figured out that you can take a direct sponsorship from audible and completely cut google owned youtube out of the money pie completely yeah and i okay. think google uh google owned youtube is kind of just recovering from that now um yeah because they're like well if they don't even try to monetize their video because there's no reason to, and they just take a private sponsorship, they don't make any money. <laughs> like right. Google, who owns YouTube, does not get a piece of that anymore. Yeah. Uh, so it's like – because um, advertisers were the ones who really started the whole like this is getting demonetized thing. Because yeah. people – like if somebody works for Doritos and they want to put an ad for Doritos on a commercial – you know, they don't want it to show up on any video that's uploaded to YouTube because there's a lot of things that shouldn't be on YouTube that are there. Sure. They, just, they just can't possibly keep up with the amount of stuff that's uploaded. Like, there's just right. no way. Like, I mean, there's hundreds, probably thousands and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of hours uploaded, like, each day. Mm-hmm. And maybe even, like, each hour. Like, I'm sure it's just an absurd amount of traffic. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the fact that, like, your ad, if you pay, like, I want this ad to run for, like, a week you could that could be on old videos that could be on videos that get uploaded during the week and you have no idea like is this something i want my content being a part of like you know it's just it's 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 crazy and google's trying to like tighten the reins on all this stuff and it's just biting them in the the ass okay (laughs) well i mean there there was also this thing going on i don't know if it's still going on now but i remember following a couple of content creators and subscribing to a couple of them where you can actually give them money directly like you can just like kind of you can just kind of give them money like sponsor them through youtube itself and that way it's not going through ad revenue it's actually going just directly into their pocket so is that like a patreon type thing it's built, yeah. It's like a Patreon thing that's built into YouTube. Okay. Uh, I know no, a lot of people do Patreon now too. Patreon is another really good. Uh, it's it's another one that a lot of like particularly content creators and like artists will use, or like people that use uh, people that upload like creative content will use, and they'll be like, all right, yeah, if you want to see like a bunch of like other stuff that I do and other creative things or like purchase creative things, they're going to be available on my Patreon, and that that kind of 
offsets the uh, the ad revenue portion of that. It makes it a little bit more fair and even to monetize. Because it's just been such a mess. It's oh, yeah, no. And our lights just went out. Yeah, there's so. We have a uh, motion-activated lights in our conference room, so for particularly uh, lengthy conferences, you yeah. can find yourself sitting in the dark. They actually have it in the uh, in the call center as well, and on particularly late nights, when there are fewer of us on the uh, on the call center floor, it'll just be like 10:30 at night, and then suddenly just the lights will go out. Yeah. Like, well, okay, not not time. All right. Uh, so I have to like I have to get up and wave my arms around. And uh, and that'll activate the lights again. And every time you do that, you're saving the environment. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Jumping jacks for the trees. For Mother Earth. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I guess going back to it, no, I, I haven't seen uh, any. I think the last movie that I saw was It Part Two. Okay, I did not see that. I saw the first one. Very good. I really appreciated it. I know that it got like I got a lot of flack for being like. Uh, People didn't really have any sort of idea as to what it was going to be because they didn't realize that there was originally an It Part 2 back in, like, the 80s. And exactly. It sucked a lot. Um, and so they didn't really know what to expect going into this new one. And I didn't know either because I knew that there was a sequel, but I didn't see it because I, I just heard from everyone that it sucked. So I didn't really want to go see it. But I did see this one, and I really liked it. It was really good. Nice. It was a good sort of, like, wrap-up to everything. So, yeah. Nice. I thought the first one was the the newer first one they did two years ago. I thought that was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good too. I actually I liked really that one. It. I thought it was very interesting how they shot everything. The shot yeah. and then the post production edits were really interesting. There's a scene I believe where they do the classic, like the shot starts on a mirror and then they open the mirror and you're like, oh, it was a mirror the whole time. Um, but there was some twist they had to it. I think where it was just I was like, oh, okay, that was really neat. Like. Like where the shot starts and you're like, you don't think it's a mirror. You just think you're looking at them, but then they open the mirror and they're mm. like, oh, I've been looking at a mirror the whole time. Um, it is really cool. I like when, when there's like innovative stuff like that, that like it, it makes you think about the entire logistics setup of how you do movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it is uh, particularly the actor who does Pennywise, whichever Skarsgård that is. That's uh, Bill? It's not I think Bill Skarsgård. I can't remember. It's a scars guard. He's one of those scars guards. Um, but just like the way that he is, Bill. It, it is Bill. It's Bill. Okay. Yeah. Whichever scars guard that is, the way that he portrayed Pennywise and the way that he like his facial expressions and the exaggerated mannerisms that he used to like to build that character, so good. So many good like subtleties with the way that he does his face and like the way because he actually does have an eye drift. Um, he's got just a natural. His eyes don't look straight ahead they are like a little bit separated yes and he can exaggerate it um i actually had a roommate back when i was like 19 who had that eye drift he had oh, the, oh wow what, what he called his goat eye uh, yeah so he called it his goat eye and in the mornings he was so tired when he woke up he couldn't really rein it in so it was like really bad and his fiance at the time would look like can you fix your goat eye <laughs> so he'd have to like drink some coffee and wake up a little bit so he could like fix his goat eye and he has that so like um oh, i can't remember what is uh, who's that uh comedian who is in the second one with the glasses uh what's his name i can't remember but 
Anyway, anyway, he was on set with Bill Skarsgård, and he was like, hey, can you actually, like, do that thing with your eye? And so, and Bill Skarsgård was completely up in his uh, Pennywise getup, and he just goes, like, completely slack-faced, and, like, goes, does, like, a really weird sort of, like, face in Pennywise makeup, and, like, actually, like, scares him. Oh, like, dang. Like, does the real face. It's like, oh, I hate that. I do. I like the idea that it's somehow tied to his, like, alertness. So, yeah. that, like, he's, like, you know, burning the midnight oil. He's pounding coffee to get a report done or something. And then all of a sudden he looks in the mirror and he's, like, he's, like, looking in two completely different yeah. ways. He's, like, well, I should probably get to bed. Like, I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't see straight. I can't. Like, yeah, no, you actually can't. Yeah. So that's a. Uh, you know, it was really cool, and it's really cool that it's not all, like, CGI, I guess, is what I was getting at. They didn't do that eye effect. Like, like they do exaggerate it further with CGI, but he really can just, like, do that. Okay. And, uh, you know, have that weird sort of thing going on with his face. I like that a lot. Yeah, people are that's, – that's kind of a – I thought immediately of um, Mandalorian because everybody's just losing their minds over the Baby Yoda – yeah. Which is a uh, is a puppet. It's not CGI. Yep. And a lot of people are like, because apparently I've read in like an interview with John Favreau that like apparently they were very close to just doing full CGI. Um, yep. But like it was somebody, some other executive producer I think was like, no, just use the puppet. Um, and people are like, oh, we got to go back to that. We got to use real props and stuff like that. Um, well, they had yeah, they had Werner Herzog on it, didn't they? Like they have him on the production team for The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. I still haven't seen it, but I hear that it's very good. It is excellent. Yeah, uh, I would I would recommend anybody that enjoys Star Wars to watch it. I hear that it's sort of because Star Wars can go in like a couple of different directions as far as I know, because like um, I didn't see Solo, but I saw Rogue One and I absolutely loved Rogue One. Rogue One was excellent because um, not everybody likes Rogue One. That's, that's not the, not yeah. everybody's favorite Star Wars movie. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it might be my favorite Star Wars movie, period. It might be. Um just because it made me like, I don't know. There aren't a lot of Star Wars. I was telling, I was telling Barry this the other day, actually. There aren't a lot of Star Wars movies that like make me actually like feel things. And that was one where I'm just like, at the end of it, I'm like, dang, like, right? Wow, like the gravity of all of that that just happened right there, like, and the you know the price that it paid, like the price that everyone had to pay for that, right. like. Dang. Okay. I really like the end because the end of Rogue One was when they're storming that tower or something, right? They're storming the whole. Yeah, there's that whole thing where they're like they're they're at that point, and there's sort of always this hope in the back of the viewer's head that like oh they're gonna make it out. Right. Some some weird Deus Ex Machina is gonna come through. There's gonna be some sort of like transport ship that they're gonna hop onto, make it off world just in time. Mm-hmm. And I mean spoiler alert to anybody listening right now. Yes. Uh, they don't, and no. <laughs> they wiped out the rest of the planet. Yes. And uh, it's just sort of like looking at that and being like wow like. They actually knew the whole time that they weren't going to make it out. And then at the very end, like you actually see them just like, they did it. They actually did all the things that they needed to do. Yeah. But uh, it didn't matter because they're still not going to make it. And they knew that at the beginning. I thought it was interesting because it's just a story they've never told before. Like, they, like the Star Wars movies are always like, this is the big, climactic, point-changing. Like, the scales are finally tipping in the Resistance's favor. Like, the underdogs are finally coming up. It's always that big moment where everything comes together. But Rogue One was like this completely small, like compared to the large scale, like war that they have going on in all those movies. It was just like, here's one little tiny thing that was actually crucially important to make the magic happen. Like not even like crucially important. It was like the only thing that they had on the Death Star because without that, 
they didn't have a shot in hell of actually doing anything. Whereas, yeah. like, so for those that haven't seen the movie and, and aren't worried about the spoilers, basically, this the protagonist, the female protagonist's father, mm-hmm. was the I guess engineer or architect, whatever you want to call it, for the Death Star, mm-hmm. and so then she had a way to get the plans to of how to destroy it. She got that into the hands by was it like they stormed that planet and sent out a message with the data before the planet exploded. Right. They transmitted right. So it was there. Yeah. So to get the information that way, Luke would know to, Oh, I got to fly down the tunnel and shoot through the thing. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I kind of like what they did there and just how different it was. Mm. I think to a certain degree, they were putting their toes into the water and kind of testing to see like, do people want to see these smaller stories? Do they want to see, or do they want to just see, uh, Harrison Ford on screen and <laughs> right, right which I mean was I mean I did enjoy seeing him in uh what was that was that episode seven when he yeah was, uh Force Awakens he was in Force Awakens that's right um, yeah that was, I mean it was cool to see him on screen for a little bit and it was cool to like the way that they introduced his character on screen that was pretty cool but um I mean episode eight was okay I don't I didn't hate it but I didn't think that it was as good as it could have been um and contrary to popular belief, or in contrary to popular opinion, I guess, uh, I really liked uh, the way that they portrayed Luke in that one scene on the desert flats when they were fighting all the dudes and he was against uh, Kylo Ren. Oh, okay. uh, and yeah. It was just sort of like, it, you know, he was, it was once again, spoiler alert, uh, he was there, but he wasn't really there. And it was kind of a cool way to portray, like, uh, him using the force to project himself into an area and like actually physically be there because you saw the lightsabers connect. Yeah. And he was there. He was interacting. Mm-hmm. He just wasn't actually there. So they actually, they actually do that specifically to set up some things in the last one. Um, really? Yeah. Which we, we don't, we don't have to talk about that one. Cause that one's still relatively new. Yes, um, I haven't seen that yet. I am going to see it soon. But yeah, the whole like force projection and how much you can interact with the reality around you, that that's all set up for some stuff that they do in the new one. Um, okay. Cause they just do, they, they do a lot of crazy things with the force in the new one. Um, okay. Not all of which everybody is totally on board with, but <laughs> Right, because you're like, where's this been all this time? Yeah, some of it just comes yeah. out of nowhere. There's one really big thing at the end. I know I've told you, right. Jerry. Um, there's one really big thing at the end that I just didn't like at all, but um, it is what it is. <laughs> Although in episode eight, I did really enjoy uh, when Luke did his final exit, where it's just like yes, him and against the two sons, and it's the parallel to a New Hope mm-hmm. when he's in the desert. And he's looking at the two suns on the horizon over Tatooine, and then like it like is the parallel to that him looking at the two suns as he disappears, and like the you know it's a really cool sort of thing, swelling strings and all that. It was good. Swelling strings, yeah. The orchestra section directed by John Williams. It's, <laughs> it's, it's going crazy. Very very good. Um, I don't know. I liked it. Yeah, it was- I mean. There's there's a whole lot to we could probably do an entire podcast just on the new Star Wars episode. Um but yeah. Um maybe yeah. next time. Maybe next time. That's right. That's right. And it is interesting now that uh I have the Disney Plus and yes. I have that access to all the, the older movies. I've just watched them so many times since I've uh <laughs> started my subscription to Disney Plus, which is great because yeah. Again, because I'm a lot older than the two of you. So I remember actually going to the theater to see the original you know, the, the Star Wars episodes. Yeah, the yeah. farthest back I can go is I did see episode three, Revenge of the Sith. 
okay. in theaters with my dad. I do remember going to that one. Really? But that yeah. was the – I mean, if you if you exclude the three new ones and Rogue One and Solo, if you exclude all the new ones, that was the last of the six, I believe, to be produced. Because um, they did four, five, six, one, two, three. Three was the last one. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's as far back as I okay. go with watching them in the theater. Um, but, yeah, it was a good um, – I, I mean, they, they had just such high expectations with making new Star Wars movies. Yeah. Um, but to their credit, they have made a lot of money off of it. So. A ton of money, yes, they have. Um, I've been totally on a Star Wars kick. I got the uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 game on Origin because it was like $17. Um, oh, nice. And it's actually, because I don't know if anybody remembers the all of the drama that came out when Battlefront 2 originally released – because it was banned in several countries for um, online gambling, violating violating online gambling policies that specifically targeted children. Yeah. Um, so yeah, because there was the whole progression system in Battlefront 2 was completely lottery based. So rather than just like, oh, you've played for two hours, you've earned this much experience, you've unlocked this, you know, gun or whatever right. item or card, it was, hey, you've uh, you've earned enough credits to unlock a box, and you have no idea what's going to be in this box, and it's random, and that's how you progress. Okay. So like people could like unlock Darth Vader in five minutes, or it, they could play for five years and never get him. Like it was all randomly based, and so it got like banned in a ton of countries. And then eventually, apparently, two years after its launch, they've started fixing things because I got back into it. And there is none of it is the only stuff that's lottery based is the cosmetic stuff, like aesthetic things. You know what? You know what I miss is the original Battlefront 2, the one that's like 15 years old at this point for Xbox. (laughs) Uh, That was the perfect way. What a great first off, what a great way to do like a campaign system that you can do infinitely mm-hmm. you can just set it up on galactic warfare and then be like all right cool mm-hmm. so we're just going to spin around this galaxy and keep doing campaign missions and keep doing that mm-hmm. and then uh you can do it on a multiplayer mode you can do it split screen it's like it was perfect it was mm-hmm. such a good way to do this game and then you know as you progress you can unlock certain things for your different uh different soldier levels and like it was it was just a good way it was a really good game and I solid game. It, solid game, solid gameplay, solid game, a little weird every so often with like the visual effects and like the way that like vehicles worked was kind of wonky sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was it was a lot of fun. Like I just I had I had a good time playing that all the time. I, so if you're interested in still playing that game, I have um, the original Star Wars Battlefront one still on disc for the original xbox oh wow wow and we also we have an we have an original xbox still that sometimes works but we do have a 360 which will play those games mm-hmm. so we can still play that on disc i also actually have it on disc for pc the original battlefront and then i have a steam download for battlefront 2 see that's the thing i never played the original battlefront i only played battlefront 2 oh it's so good because they, they had galactic conquest in um battlefront 1 yeah. so for galactic conquest you basically it's kind of like a like a checkers game but instead of spaces, there's planets, okay. and you have to like move from planet to planet, winning. And then for each planet, you get like, if this planet is known for having its like tanks for the next battle, you like you have the tanks from Kajik now. Like, yeah, um, and, and like and and take a planet, the next. planet, you have to take yeah, you have to take place in like planetary battles on that planet. And okay. then once you, if you win that battle in like first person shooter mode, then you earn it, and then you can keep that and keep generating troops and okay. then like a piece that you have, yeah. So I'm like cool. kind of like getting kinged in chess. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool, sort of like almost Dynasty Warriors esque in a way like that. But uh, but yeah, um, I think I think that's gonna be 
that's going to be really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that does about wrap up our time here. I know Kevin's got to get going. Um, again, thank you to both my guests for joining, Jerry and Kevin. Uh, Kevin, especially just because this was kind of a surprise for you. We didn't mention that at the beginning. <laughs> but uh, we were going to have somebody else record today, and uh, uh, they, they were not here, and, and Kevin was. So yep. big shout-out to Kevin for showing up an hour early today. Yes, just, sir. Just thank you. <laughs> um, to record that. So, yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, this podcast is brought to you by Live Reps. Catch you next time. Um, contact us on social if you like what we did. If you want to see us do some segments, some some would-you-rathers, some mock drafts, things like that. Um, any ideas are welcome. Thanks. <laughs>